Hey, y'all, I had, you know, I had an idea for a movie that we could do for our December episode to get us, you know, in that Christmas spirit. Uh, We could watch, you know, that classic Christmas movie from 1947. Uh, I've already seen A Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, you know, I actually was talking about the other one. Um, uh, it's called It Happened on Fifth Avenue. I, I just saw that it's a, it's a Christmas movie and it's streaming on HBO Max and uh, I hadn't seen it, you know, so I was like, oh, this might be an interesting one for us to cover. I just read about that. I was looking for films for us as well. And it was on a list of like little known alternative Christmas movies that I found. It must be little known because I've never heard of it. Me either. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) So I guess it's on our list. My name's Elisa Gonzalez, and I have not seen It Happened on Fifth Avenue. I'm Andrew Lindy, and I have not seen It Happened on Fifth Avenue. I'm Bethany Brinton, and I have not seen It Happened on Fifth Avenue. I'm Cheryl Jones, and I have not seen It Happened on Fifth Avenue. And I'm Joe Myers. I've also not seen It Happened on Fifth Avenue. And this is It's on My List. So is this the first time we've done one that nobody's seen? I believe it is our second time. Yeah, we did 13th. Oh, that's uh, right. That's that's right. right. Yeah. Documentary on Netflix, uh, which was that was a that was a good call. I liked I liked that. Yeah. Yeah. This one, maybe we'll see who didn't who didn't enjoy themselves (laughs) today. (laughs) I do want to point out, um, as as I brought up, uh, this was. This came out the same year as Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, a lot of many street, numbers. A lot of street <laughs> so, movies. Yeah, a lot of so streets. So much New York streets. Yeah. They're doing 34th Street. We'll do Fifth Avenue. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I think it's so odd because they were both also nominated for Academy Awards. I don't know what was going on in the world, but everyone was yes. high on Christmas movies. Apparently. <laughs> This is, I mean, Christmas isn't as central in this movie, but it is a, no. a part of it for sure. And it is a winter movie. Yeah, it's I more guess. wintry than than Christmassy. Yeah, but it does have Christmas. It has New Year's. Does so anyone want to try and summarize what this movie's about? It is I'll... not what I thought it was going. I mean, I read no. the like one sentence byline, and I'm like, I think I know what happens in this movie, mm-hmm. and then I was like. Why are so many things happening in this movie? <laughs> there were quite a lot of things that happened. So uh, I'll take a shot at it. So um, there is a mansion in New York, uh, a um, industrialist, I guess. Uh, what is his name? Uh, I have it written down here. Uh, Michael, Michael J. O'Connor. O'Connor. There yeah. we go. Uh, and he... Uh, winters in uh see i've already forgotten what state he winters in another virginia virginia right bubbling springs 
right? And spends his springs and summers at this mansion in New York. So while he's in Virginia, it's boarded up, and there is a a homeless man who spends his winters in that boarded up house. He has a secret way into it, Uh, and he ends up uh, taking pity on a veteran who has been evicted from his apartment building that is about to be raised and a uh what was it like a 30-story apartment or a 30-story building it had like a crazy number it was uh Mm -hmm. uh it was a lot i wrote it down somewhere i can't even see my notes now um but he's been evicted and that oh yeah it is 80 stories you're right um and that building of course is being built by one michael j o'connor and coincidentally uh, so he brings him into the mansion. They're living there together. Michael J. O'Connor's daughter, through a series of circumstances, ends up coming home to that house, and she uh, catches wind of what they're doing uh, while she's there and plays along and for who knows why. And uh, so they're all living there. They bring some of his army buddies in later through a series of circumstances and everybody's living there and Michael J. O'Connor ends up coming home there to see his daughter and, or cause he's looking for her and uh, hilarity ensues. I don't know. And, and heartwarming. <laughs> yeah, lessons are learned. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's like in the style of a screwball comedy romance. Yes. Yes. Uh, where there's just, as, as Bethany and said, there's also, a lot going on. It's also a touch of a Scrooge story, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, Chris, the Aloysius, the homeless guy, is a bit of a Christmas spirit, I think. So he dispenses wisdom and, and kind-heartedness. He was so. fun. Yes. yes. I liked Aloysius T. McKeever. I liked him <laughs> yes. a lot. He got I on learned, my nerves after a while. I learned that I, he did a little bit to me too, and I learned that I do not know how to spell the name Aloysius. I kept writing it in my notes, going, "Well, I don't know how to do it yet." I quite like that name. It should make a comeback. Right. Yes, Aloysius, of course. Yeah. So there. I mean, that is really uh, pretty clear what happens there. The, the there is the the romance element between. O'Connor, uh, what's her name? Trudy. Trudy, yeah. Trudy and and Jim. The veteran, Jim the vet. And it's got that classic element of, you know, one of them's lying to the other. Trudy is pretending not to be the daughter of of Mike O'Connor. I love how they fall in love over a shotgun, too. And then just, (laughs) like, just, like, chuckle over the fact that they, like, blew a hole in the side of this house. Like, (laughs) (laughs) ha, ha, ha. Yeah, like, I made that's a note a on loaded that. Weapon. Yeah, oh, that's I wrote romance over a loaded rifle. So <laughs> By the way, both of both of those people handled that gun completely incorrect. Oh yeah. Well, first of all, she's like it's not loaded and to show it's not loaded, she pulled the trigger. I'm like yeah. that's not what you do to prove right. it doesn't directly loaded. toward him. Yes, so that was fun. Uh I well, did I like, like that the, McKeever later in the movie was griping about chip plates, but not one word about the gunshot. About <laughs> the gunshot. Yeah, you definitely hear like a lot of destruction from that gunshot. You oh, don't like, oh, those kids are falling in love. You crazy yeah, right. cats. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we left it just as we found it. I'm like, did you? <laughs> yeah. Man, I hope you did some, uh, yeah, some spackle work over there. So. <laughs> uh, 
uh, yeah, I, I appreciated it, it, although it really only, I mean, it was kind of throughout, but it was really only emphasized, I thought, at the very beginning and end that uh, uh, Jim was a veteran and was being displaced and was kind of being, and he and his, like, he runs into his veteran buddies, like, on the street, they're looking at an apartment, they both have families everybody's living out of a car together mm-hmm. and they're looking for an apartment and he comes up to see them like, Hey, and starts talking about, Oh, I saw your baby, whatever. And ruins the whole thing for them because this apartment owner guy is like, Oh no, no kids. We don't allow any kids in here. And so these veterans are being turned away because they have families and no, no, you can't possibly rent something, you know, here in New York, there's nothing for you. So I, I liked you know, and and one of the main parts of the storyline is that they get this idea that they want to uh, buy this property, that this former army barracks, and turn those barracks into homes for veterans and other people who need them, uh, while uh, Michael J. O'Connor is trying to buy it and turn it into basically FedEx. So, because he <laughs> wants to turn it into into a, like a big national cargo moving uh airport have an airport and a like a seaport it was going to have ships and planes right so it's going to be this big conglomerate of this so uh so i liked that it was kind of dealing with that but it kind of just it it simultaneously pushed it aside in favor of the sort of comedy and romance part yeah of the movie like it was there floating in the background but (laughs) it wasn't like you know I think the opposite, like, I oh. love the social commentary part of that and sort of the income inequality and all of that. Yeah, yeah. I thought that actually played, at least for me, that was more in the forefront than the romance. Oh, like, to me, the romance was them talking to each other for a few scenes, the gunshot, and then all of a sudden they're getting engaged. Yeah, it was really fast. It was quite fast, yes. <laughs> Trudy knows what she wants at 18 years old and goes after True. it. Is she 18? I'm sorry. She did not look 18. <laughs> I had to look it up. I believe I remember seeing that she was 22 when they filmed this. Oh, okay. Or 25. Right. I will believe 22 or 25. I will not believe 18. No, no. She definitely wasn't actually 18. Yeah, no way. <sighs> yeah. The, I mean, and then they even have the line where the her mom says to her to her dad, right? The, she was like, yes. we, we got engaged when I was 17. I 17. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, everything, this is the when things moved really quickly. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was kind of a rekindling of the parents, too, because they had been separated, mm-hmm. or I don't know if they were divorced, I can't remember. But they had just gotten they divorced, were, yeah. I think, yeah. like yeah. within a year I, or so. I, yeah, that kind of plays into the, as Cheryl calls it, the Scrooge aspect, is that this, this guy lives alone in this giant house, and yeah, because all he cares he, about is his money, right? Yeah, and then he leaves it, and he goes, and he lives alone in another giant house, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which was yeah. was one of the one of the funny uh, jokes going throughout was you know when he'd get on the phone, he'd sneak into the ice box or whatever to <laughs> to make his wheels and deals, and they're like, now now, you know, because they're thinking he's you know a homeless bum. And you know you're not really <laughs> you're you're delusional again, or I forget what they called it. Yeah, but you yeah, know like they think they he's crazy. He's just, they figure yeah. he's not on the phone with anyone, right? He's just oh, make these deals, you know, like he's just yeah, fantasizing. And then, yeah, and he would try and pick up the phone again, and they just look at him like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, Aloysius was really on top of him all the time. Like, now wash your dishes, now do this, now don't, you make that bed tonight, you didn't make your bed, you know, like, <laughs> which, you know, he was trying to keep everything as it should be, because normally when he was in that house alone, he'd keep everything looking exactly like it should so that should someone come home early or should something oh. happen, it looked correct. Right? Well, yeah, and but, then he had a he had a whole system where he I don't know how he did it. He hooked the lights up to the door <laughs> so that yeah, when that the door genius. opened, the lights would go off and you would know All someone opened was the door. Like one little jumper cable thing or something. <laughs> it was I didn't realize it was that easy. Hey, to I mean, do that, this but. this was at a point in time when like phones ran through like switchboards. So That's I'll believe true. anything they show me. <laughs> All I put right. this wire into this hole, and then you talk to this person over there. Okay. <laughs> There's even a part where he, someone asks him about it, and he's like, oh, I, I came up with this gadget or something. The way he says it, I was like, what? what? <laughs> Have you invented this thing? Why, why are you just like living in this what? house? Go, go sell your patent or whatever. Well, know, but right? that's the thing. Like He's constantly dispensing this great mm-hmm. knowledge about how to – how to have a successful business and it's good information mm-hmm. and so it's like well i would like to know about his past did he do this in the past and something went wrong like was he rich at some point was he successful or what's his deal because why does he know all of this and yet he's just you know he said i mean he has the the line he said something like he hasn't worked in 20 years and he, he yeah. doesn't want to yeah. and he's made up his mind on how he's going to live his life so I mean, I think you can yeah. imagine any of those things for him, that maybe he did come from any of those backgrounds yeah. and just and chose he... to ramble around and, and live in empty homes. You know? Yeah, maybe he secretly has money. You know, I don't know. Yeah, he, he did have that whole monologue about only rich people get ulcers because right. they actually have something to worry about. Mm. Yeah. Maybe so he maybe if he had yeah. some, some secret past, he had moved on because he just didn't want to deal with it anymore but yeah. he other than the dog i must say that that dog the actor dog was, was one of the awesome. best dog actors ever <laughs> it's oh. really good <laughs> but victor moore i loved and i kept i'm like i know his voice so i had to look him up and i'm like i don't know him from anything i've never seen any of his films oh. and then i realized that his likeness and his voice was used in a, a warner brothers cartoon forever oh. ago like he was not elmer fudd but like a different hunter mm. huh. and as soon i could see it and hear it in my head i need to find that episode and watch it now that we've just watched this movie but he he let his likeness be used for free because he liked the way it looked his only caveat <laughs> was give me more hair in the cartoon <laughs> <laughs> nice Interesting. i love that but he was a joy every time he was on screen and it glowed i, I really did have fun with him yeah, he was really enjoyable. It's now so funny. I was his credits. I was uh, looking through, you know, the actors that were in this, and I kept waiting and waiting and waiting from for Skipper to show up, mm-hmm. not realizing <laughs> he was one of the buddies. Wa- right. Unrecognizable. I would never be able to pick him out. Oh, but really? I, you know, once I, once I realized who it was, because he was so young, I don't think I've ever seen him that young. <laughs> I I didn't know. It was his voice that keyed me off. But it was later in the movie. Like he had a line, I think, when they were all at the barracks, uh, when they had lost out on it. And like the O'Connor's kind of side guy was trying to get through and they all block him. And Whitey's like, say please. It was the way he said please. I was like, oh my God, that's the skipper. 
<laughs> oh yes. Okay. Um, did anyone? Yeah, he was really young. Recognize uh, the? It was the the mean landlord that we already uh, kind of talked about. He uh, was no. familiar, yes. but I didn't know who. Yeah, it was. played by Charles Lane. He just had been in so many things. Uh, like he was in uh, several Frank Capra movies, and uh, uh, I remember uh, from I Love Lucy. Yeah, the uh, one that was trying to contact Tilly. The, the, she, she was pretending she was a medium. They were having a seance, and I just remember his voice was so distinct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great episode. But I think, yeah, I think this is one of those where, um, you know, besides a couple of s- smaller actors, like we're not very familiar with the main cast. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, like I, Trudy is played by a woman known as Gail Storm. And if that's, if that's not yeah, a great I've, stage name, I don't know what is. And I've heard her <laughs> name before. Like, I'm really familiar with that name, but now I'm looking at her right now because I don't know what what the heck I know her from. And I liked her in this as well. Like, I, I thought she had yeah. pretty good agency. I yeah. love the fact that she was pretty much in control of every scene that she was in. It was just kind of like, oh, I'm going to play along with this and see where it goes instead of freaking out the moment she walks into her own home and finds two gentlemen just standing there. Yeah, right. Well, I think she also had stealing. She had a very funny scene when the when the dad finally comes in, and then there's she's going to go take care of a baby. That was and the her, funniest yes. part. Her of this dad comes movie. in and is like, "When did this happen?" And she's like, "She's talking about when she fell in love with Jim." And she says, "Well, I think it happened in the icebox." And he goes, "In the icebox." <laughs> yeah, Mr. McKeever was there. Yeah, yeah. Aloysius was there <laughs> the whole time. So he's Maybe getting more mad because me. yeah, he thinks that, that they're talking about when did she have a baby, and it's not her yes. baby. It's it's one of the other families who lives there. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I got a good laugh out of when her father first uh, saw her on the street coming out of the music store where she was working and pulls her into his car. And then she like gets out and gets in a cab and he follows her into the cab and closes the door. And then the cab leaves and she's standing on the street and she's like left him in the cab. And I got a real laugh out of that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't expect that. That was really clever. <laughs> I like that when when her father first kind of comes into the picture and is like, what's wrong? Like, like, why did you run away from finishing school? Why are you doing this? Like every he, he doesn't act like the standard movie dad. Where it's like, well, you're coming home right now. Blah, 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 right. Blah. And he listens to her and, they, and he agrees to go along with the insanity. And <laughs> right. he just kind of keeps agreeing to things. And I'm like, not like he wants to, but I'm like, man, this guy is like. Willing to put up with a lot, right? <laughs> and she's just like, I just want to see what what will happen. Here's your ex-wife now. It's like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I do like when when she shows up. It's very much. She's like, well, I heard you were having fun, so I wanted to come meet the guy too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she, it's very much like uh, she just wanted in on whatever was going on. Yeah. Um, I do like uh, as Joe was mentioning. Uh, you know the having the the social issues very much in the mm-hmm. foreground there's one uh, er, early on in the movie there's a part where uh, I believe it's McKeever and Jim are talking about it and one of them very specifically says they, they call it the housing problem which is you know being able to find houses for people to live in places for people to live and I yeah. do I, I, I like that framing so much better than I think what a lot of people would say now which is the homeless problem. 
Right. Yeah. And it's like, the, I don't know when, as a, you know, public consciousness, it changed from the housing problem to the homeless problem. But I can only assume it happened in the 80s and the Reagan <laughs> Reagan. <laughs> Reagan. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, probably. Yeah. When we started blaming the individuals instead of society, like in the capitalists. Yeah. Because it's very clearly like what this movie is saying is that they, you know, they're competing. You know, it is not just the rich can get richer and everyone can find a place to live. It is when the rich get richer, they take away the homes of the right. people. And right. that's, you know, that's kind of it leads into the this fight over the um, the army base with the barracks. So it's, I, right. I thought that was all very interesting. And I like the way that it was framed and, and it felt like. Yeah, we need we need this to come back. We need to talk about it this way again. We can't exactly. uh, we can't let people keep framing it like it's a problem that people need to live somewhere. Like no, people need to live somewhere. Right. Yeah, it not it making it less like it's the homeless who are the problem, right? Mm-hmm. That it's the fact that there isn't affordable housing is the problem. And yet it keeps getting directed to those awful homeless. Look at those homeless. Oh my god, right? Yeah, I mean, this movie, I mean, very directly begins with Jim being forced out of an apartment right? Uh, that he's living in, you know, and it's it's uh, right. it's not a good situation. As a veteran, situation. especially. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and this movie, like, everyone who doesn't have a home, it, they're put in a good light, whereas every landlord that's in this is a disgusting piece of trash. <laughs> yeah. I did quite enjoy that, but yeah, and it's sad that, you know, this was about World War II veterans coming back, and here we are about to be in 2022, and we're still dealing with this for veterans and many other people now. Right. So it it played very well on that front for me. I wonder wonder if that plays into, though, why this movie isn't as popular as a Christmas movie as Miracle on 34th Street, because... Miracle on 34th Street doesn't have any of these things in it. <laughs> it just, right. It's just, it's just kind of a your, feel good. Yeah. Yeah. You just want your happy little Christmas movie and you don't want to have to think about actual social issues. I mean, I feel like Wonderful Life kind of fills the spot of here's bad things happening and also Christmas. <laughs> yeah, but that's, all, yes. that's a little bit more, I mean, the crux of that one is a little bit more individual. True. Even though, even though the you in, do yeah, see the instigation the housing is, things and is stuff, like it, the crash. Yeah, but yeah, this one is very broadly societal. I don't know what other Christmas movie does that. I'm sure there's one. I'm just not thinking of it. But hmm. I mean, yeah, most other Christmas movies are like you just need Christmas spirit, and again, Scrooge and uh, all of all of those where where it's more where it's more based on the individual which this kind of did it, it it worked the whatever issue it was trying to paint down back down to the individuals which was here's the rich man and here's the poor man <laughs> yeah and I, I i'm just not thinking scrooge does a little bit of it i love scrooge yeah with with uh what a karen allen yes uh, yeah yes. uh you know, working with the homeless and everything, but it's still focused mainly, you know, on Bill Murray and him having that Scrooge change of heart. Mm-hmm. So it's not quite there, but yeah. But again, that's what this this is also a, a, a having that Scrooge change of heart thing as well. Yeah. So it's very similar, but yeah, a little broader. Did anyone overall like or dislike this movie? 
I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. I don't think it's one that I would be like, oh, I have to watch it every Christmas. But uh, I I mean, I thought it was a, a pretty simplistic movie in a lot of ways or obvious, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was still enjoyable. And there were like unusual moments of comedy that kind of came out of nowhere, but which I enjoyed. <laughs> I... I enjoyed it. it it was it's a nice movie i, I yeah but, uh, yeah i and i there were some funny things that surprised me that i you know would burst out laughing um but yeah it was just very nice kind of repetitive like you could see where things were going but yeah i i don't think i would watch it again <laughs> I, I got it i got what this yeah i'm i'm kind of in the same camp as you <laughs> yeah yeah, in like, between yeah, there and yeah. Cheryl. And, yeah, there and was... honestly, like for me, the the acting was not that good. That was like, brilliant. No, not even for the the like because time period. Like I, I don't even think has anything to do with it. Like I, I've seen plenty of other films from around this era that that are brilliant, but this one I I and and I think it, it kind of all owes up to the screwball comedy where everything's sort of overacted and it almost felt like a radio play where they were yeah. waiting yeah. for the other person to finish saying their line before they started saying theirs. Yeah, like a stage so, or a vaudeville yeah, kind of. A, yeah, yeah, very very vaudevillian in that way. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. I I'm I'm glad I watched it. I don't think I need to again. Yeah. I made a note at 112 into it where I just wrote, this is all starting to get annoying. <laughs> which, right. which then it then got a little better again but yeah there was a period there where i was like all right enough aloysius you know right. like oh he you're so wise you know bugged like. me and like i i i'm okay with like him unloading his pearls of wisdom i'm not okay with him being in every single room of the mansion and having three pearls of wisdom per scene <laughs> right, i'm like wise. go away <laughs> i almost expected him because he was leaning into to the father you know, making sure he'd wash his dishes and your bed wasn't made and all of the stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought like maybe he was on to the whole thing and he was leaning into him to really give him that, you know, you got to, to humble him to bring him back up. But that didn't quite happen. But he was just, <laughs> he was just a jerk. Just <laughs> jerk. <laughs> I wonder if that's kind of more of a, a modern take on it. And at that time they, they didn't even consider that as an option. They just thought it's funny enough that he's mean to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I kind of expected him to just sort of fade off like a ghost at the end when he was walking away. Like, <laughs> right. That would be cool. Be like uh, he was a ghost. A Christmas kind of well, yeah. Yeah. He, he's the one that we follow at the beginning of the movie. Aloysius and Mm -hmm. where there's a there's an interesting bit of you know information that a tour guide we're hearing a tour guide say that Mm -hmm. you know Fifth Avenue is the where the original 500 homes were built yes and so it's like those are the oldest homes the richest families and I was like oh that's really interesting I've never actually really heard that before yeah I, I, I was like oh that's really and then of course they start naming off and it's like um some of them are like I think made up names, but then others are definitely like the famous names of. They were they were based on like Guggenheim. I think yeah, it was like a, at one point. Were were slightly different than you it know. It was like Guggen Boss or something. Yeah, <laughs> right. Some weird. Yeah, I'm like I know what you mean. <laughs> but then yeah, then Aloysius, just um, he goes up to a fence and uh, he has like, uh, much like his his door mechanic, he has some kind of hole in the fence where you can push on it and it like opens properly like a 
trap door or whatever. Yes. <laughs> and Can somehow someone... no one has discovered this. <laughs> Could someone explain to me how what what's what, the manhole cover? Like how did yeah. how did that play yeah, into him he getting into, into the sewer and then he uh, he somehow got up through a toilet? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Made no sense it, to me it either. Might have gone like down into something in the basement or something. Yeah, yeah the I was a little unclear on that too. I like, mean, it's like Santa going through cover. the chimney. It's just opposite. <laughs> right, right. See. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and by the way, I did just look up the four hundred was a list of New York Society during the Gilded Age, a group that was led by Carolyn Shermerhorn Astor. Oh. Uh, and it says... The, on, the Nashville Symphony Hall is the Skirmerhorn Center. Uh-huh. Mm. And in 1892, the New York Times published the official list of those included in the 400 as dictated by social arbiter Ward McAllister, uh, Miss Astor's friend and confidant. Uh, wow. So there's that. Yeah, right? You can see a whole list of them, apparently, uh, here on Wikipedia. Exciting. People with big mustaches and things. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my list. We'll be right back. Ooh. 105 minutes of Super Mario Brothers in the can. Can't believe we did it. Uh, what's next? Obviously, Denson checks in. Oh, you mean the 1996 ape film directed by Ken Quapis? That's right. We're going to watch it one minute at a time. And for each minute that we watch, we're going to find a film that pairs nicely, like a, a wine with a fine dinner. Sounds great. See you next week. Dunstan checks men. Dunstan checks men. Dunstan checks men. Hey, if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more, like bits from the cutting room floor, be sure to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash it's on my list pod. Thank you. Hi, this is Cheryl. You've heard me on It's On My List, but have you heard me on my long-running show, Movies Made Me? Every two weeks, I sit down with a guest who shares the five movies that made them who they are. We also go beyond movies to talk about three other things that influence them to be them. You'll hear from everyone from a coffee shop waitress to Clancy Brown as we delve into the movies that shaped our philosophies, careers, and lives. Hear it on mmmpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. I think the other funny thing that I liked about Aloysius uh, was that when he's wearing his, you know, kind of hobo clothes, he's very much a hobo. But then when he gets into the house, he puts on the rich man's clothes and he suddenly has like a different demeanor. He's and he's yes, like almost right. like he's he's, he's treated differently. He's got his uh, pocket watch that he's always referencing. He's he's like dressed to the nines. It's really, uh, I thought that was like a funny transformation. Well, the clothes make the man, don't they? <laughs> and they keep... I thought it was funny that he was like wearing all of the suits all of the time. <laughs> yeah. like, are you going anywhere? You're just staying inside. Like put on some pajamas. It's fine. <laughs> they made and that's kind of where that... I thought. Oh yeah. Go ahead. They made a comment about how he's uh, the same size as as the other gentleman. Oh yes, they are not nowhere near the same. No, he's <laughs> got a much uh, bigger yes. barrel chest. Oh yeah, than that guy. <laughs> oh, and I did also at one point. Uh, uh, Mike O'Connor uh, comes into the house when his ex-wife is there, and she's make, he's going. Oh, he smells Slumgolian. Slumgolian. I can't Slum-golian. even say it stew so i had to look that up that is a real thing so it's like a uh i saw it here something it's What's a, in it? a it's, it's basically a cheap, goulash 
Yeah, it's a cheap or insubstantial stew. It sounds like it often has elbow macaroni in it and like some meat or whatever you've got. There's it's like hamburger online. helper with broth. <laughs> yes. I'd eat it. I probably have eaten it. I mean, it. yeah, I'd, I would probably try it. <laughs> well, kind of where you guys were talking about him acting differently in the fancy clothes, that was where I, just based off of a brief description that I read before I watched it, where I thought the movie was going to go. I thought we were going to get some opening scenes of Aloysius being treated very poorly as a hobo on the street. Then stumble his way into this house that was vacant, put on these nice clothes and then go out to walk his dog. And then people see him in the fancy clothes and think, Oh, that's a rich man of some importance and treat him entirely differently. Yeah. And I, I kind of thought like that would be like the Abbott and Costello version of this movie. Yeah. Like a trading places. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, that, so the fact that it didn't go that way did please me because we got all the social commentary that I really, really loved but there was one other bit that we haven't mentioned yet that I have to bring up because one, it was one of my favorite bits of this movie, but two, it felt so out of place. It's probably and the part I was just about to bring up. Yep. Is it is it Jim and Trudy's date at the... the yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> yes. The whole bit with the waiter, I loved it so much, I but it, it did not belong. It felt so shoehorned into this movie. Yeah, it was just there, and I'm like, this is so entertaining. It was a whole physical comedy thing of like yes. trying to balance the unbalanced table and him like just sitting at the table with them finally being exasperated. And like, yeah, then the, the musicians coming over, and it was all ridiculous. And yeah, absolutely didn't belong there. But somebody said, oh, there's this thing I've seen once. It was really funny. Let's just put I it d- in. I do think, yeah, it is in that vaudeville style of like, yes. oh, I've got this. I've got this act. Just throw it in here. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> oh, I know a guy. Let me give let me just put him in the movie. He's really great. I loved how he would duck out of scene and then he would just magically appear on the other side of the this two well, person's going, table. Yeah, that was funny. Going under the under table. The table. But, yeah, did, how? They would look like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, the the best part was they, he thinks he's finally got it, and then Jim reaches over and just taps the opposite corner, <laughs> and it goes tilting off again. <laughs> that was funny. I, I thought also, like, we've had this whole thing that we set up early on, that at a particular time every night, these security guards come, and that's it. when they open the door, the lights go out from mm-hmm. that device he set up. But then they just disappear for quite a while because there's all this stuff in the house every night and nobody's doing anything. And then we set up one heck of a Christmas tree in the, right there in the house. Like, oh, Yeah, where did that come from? How'd, that, was how'd like, they get that through the manhole? Yeah, yeah right. right? <laughs> it's like, wait, where'd those guards go? And then all of a sudden, there they are again. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, yeah, this is great. Everything's fine. So <laughs> you can get away like, with anything if you're white. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> I love that they came in all hard. Like, what's going on in here? Like, oh, you're just having fun. It's okay. <laughs> right. We well, that was tell anybody <laughs> that led into another vaudeville bit where the cop called his wife, and he has to have the whole thing where he's like, "It's it's me. It's it's Earl." Your husband, or whatever. Your like, husband. <laughs> <laughs> like classic line, yes. 
And then that he also has that weird line after when he's talking about how great she is, oh, and he's like, yeah. "She only hits me in self defense," and I'm like, "Wait, I was like, what? Yeah, yep. that's exactly. What? I said, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> Lisa and I looked at each yeah. other from across the room, like, yeah, did, right. "Did we just hear that correctly?" <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty. Oh, police, a cab. Forever, apparently. I wasn't aware of Roy Del Ruth, the director's work, but mm-hmm. on a IMDb deep dive, I did discover I have seen one other of his films, and that was the Alligator People from, I believe, like 1959. <laughs> I so, saw that on the list and thought, of I wonder if you've seen that. <laughs> I most definitely have. And then I was surprised to see Everett Freeman had written um, the original Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, the script I thought for this was really, really good. It's just a little long. They they could have yeah. shaved yeah, about twenty minutes off of that hour yeah, fifty six no, minutes. Thirty minutes could have gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah toward, towards the end, once it like became apparent that it's like okay, they're going back and forth on the land deal, and then O'Connor is like trying to grab it and go, and then he buys it, and then he gives it back, and then they show up to the. It's like okay, just finish it. <laughs> And uh, Don DeFord did work in radio, but not a whole lot. He was on, like, Suspense, Old Gold Comedy Theater, and Lux Radio Theater. But then he's best known as the neighbor Thorny on The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet on TV. <laughs> um, oh, back the, I I didn't want to forget this. Roy Del Ruth, the director of this film, he mm-hmm. also directed the first, I believe the first version of The Maltese Falcon. Oh. 1931. It was also known as Dangerous Female. Oh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> That sounds like an incel blog. <laughs> <laughs> like you couldn't say femme fatale. <laughs> I had to say Dangerous Female. Dangerous Female. <laughs> wow. I want to watch it now. <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh, and before I forget, I had to look it up because it was going to bother me. The uh, Looney Tunes episode that Victor Moore mm-hmm. was in was a Daffy Duck episode called Ain't That Ducky. So uh, look that up if you want to see him in cartoon animated style with a little bit more hair. I mentioned at the, I believe at the start, that we, we all watched this on HBO Max. Yes. Uh, I believe all of us did, but it's mm-hmm. available there if anyone else wants to try it out. I I had read that there was something weird happened where it wasn't like shown on TV for a long time. Like it was like no one uh, like no one showed this like it, this movie just kind of disappeared and then it came back. Huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's like I don't know if you're going to choose movies to watch. Why this one really? I mean, to broadcast it's not like it well, i mean it's it's fine the uh, oh so here's the here's the the fact it's it it first aired on turner classic movies in 2009 and oh. you know turner classic movies had been around since like 1990 is it sometime in the 90s i thought was when it started so it took that long mm-hmm. for it to even air once on turner classic movies wow. interesting so just as like huh there's a there's a lot of movies to show before this one. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I get that. I mean, again, just like out, even Christmas you know? movies in the same time period and the same yeah. genre. Uh, 
it, it's you, it's at least like third or fourth on any list that, that you're yeah, gonna when you're up. like okay we've shown all the regulars a million times what else is there let's dig a little deeper you know what if, if you're and, and honestly i was thinking about this i'm like uh this is like the 1947 version of a hallmark christmas movie Oh God! It's oh, like God, if you're if you're decorating wow. the tree yes. and making cookies and you need something in the background, um, it's either this or like I want a cowboy for Christmas. Like you know what? Pick one and put it on. I love how we've gone from it's pretty decent, it's all right, to it's not even the fifth best movie happened on Fifth Avenue. I didn't say best. I didn't say best. I said first ones that people would think of. <laughs> <laughs> There's I mean, eight other fine. movies that happen it's on fine. Fifth Avenue way better than this one. It's fine. I think, I it's mean, fine. the Hallmark comparison doesn't feel fair to me. Although, uh, what would feel fair is if it was something like uh, like Comedy Central did their own version of Hallmark movies. <laughs> that's, that's more in line with this. Because this movie okay. is just a lot of like comedic bits strung together with the plot somehow. True. Yeah, that's true. Well, like three plots, though, because you've got the whole we're trying to buy the barracks at the army base, uh-huh. coupled with we're trying to get a relationship for this young couple going. Mm-hmm. Then we're trying to rekindle the relationship from the O'Connors. Mm-hmm. So there's like a, a couple different things going and everything kind of gets equal time throughout the middle part where it really yeah. sags. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they should have just stuck with yeah. like two things, maybe, and just put yeah, the think- other in the back burner. I think that would be the script notes if they were writing that today. Like yeah. maybe cut one of these plots out, you know, focus. <laughs> but again, you know, worth a watch one time. Right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Maybe worth one watch. Just, yeah, if you're looking for something you haven't seen before. You, you know? don't have to, but if you want to, eh. I would watch right. it before I would watch a Hallmark movie. Okay, oh, there you go. Yes. I'll yes. give it that. Yeah. So if 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 your if your cousin like grabs the remote and wants to put on one of those, be like, no no no, I have something better. Yes. So, so I <laughs> recently watched a Lifetime original, a brand new Lifetime original <gasps> Christmas movie called Christmas Movie Magic. Oh. And oh wait, I, I think I know this. Yeah, one. it was. It sounded right up my alley because it was like. Uh, a journalist is investigating a mysterious thing about an old Christmas movie that everyone loves. And I was like, oh, that could be a little interesting. And it's just like false flat immediately. (laughs) (laughs) They keep referencing the movie that everyone loves. And it, they, they, I think they're trying to make it sound like a cross between like, um, I don't even know. Like they're they're talking about how romantic it is and how, Oh, the song that the man sings is so romantic. And when you finally hear the song, it's kind of like the worst (laughs) song that's ever existed. (laughs) It's not even like sung. It's just kind of like melodically spoken with no tune. It's like Uh, not memorable at all. (laughs) Is it supposed to be like an old movie? Like it's set in a certain time period. Yeah. So it's, it is a movie from like the forties. (laughs) <laughs> and the mystery that they're trying to solve is that um, because the main girl is a bit clumsy, she knocked over the framed sheet music, the original sheet music for the song. And on the back, they find a note from the star who wrote the song. And on, he wrote a note on the back that said, oh, I wrote this for you, my love. Uh, uh, D, I love you. And they're like, we have to find out who D is. We must <laughs> find out who wrote this terrible song. Yeah, we have why? to find out he wrote this song for someone he loved and he's never been married and now he's a re- reclusive ah. actor. <laughs> ah, Of course okay. he is. 
Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, as soon as it happened, it's kind of immediately obvious what the situation is. And it takes them an hour to get to the answer. Like, it takes it's just them like an hour to find it. And then, of course, she the falls in love with the guy who owns the theater. It's a whole, you know. Yes, of course. course. The only one of those Hallmark Lifetime, and I honestly don't remember which, I think it's Lifetime, Christmas movies I like and have actually watched like one and a half times uh, is called Christmas on the Coast uh, because it stars Julie Ann Emery, who I love from Preacher. uh, And so I just like that she's in it. But she's a writer who goes back home to the coast for Christmas from I forget what metropolitan area she lives in. Insert big city here. Yes. And and she uh, ends up she's, you know, got writer's block, of course. And so she ends up writing her book and including everybody in town in it and she's like making notes whenever people are talking and stuff and then they all get upset with her you know because that book is like you know it was just a bunch of of eavesdropping and using them as characters and it's not cool man my my christmas movies involve way more blood explosions (laughs) and serial killers i don't know what you guys are watching (laughs) joe i'm right there with you i like I mean, I just watched this A Wonderful Life, like within the last, was it four years ago? We yes. went to the uh, yeah. Egyptian and watched it. Uh, yeah. But I have seen oh, all cool. three Black Christmases. Of course. Well, it's A Wonderful Life is coming up in our big theater at the museum uh, on the 19th. So uh, if you guys want to join me, I think I got two tickets so far. So, you know, just saying. It's a Maybe. Sunday night. I love that movie so much. Yeah, it'll be quite good in the with the big sound yeah. and not that was... it needs big sound, but it will be interesting to hear it that way. <laughs> oh, so I brought it. I I was I <laughs> I brought up the the Lifetime movie that I watched. So this movie mm-hmm. has some songs in it. Yes, oh, like yeah. three of them. Yeah, that are very Christmassy, but they I, I guess none of them became hits. I mean, I they're not great. <laughs> 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 they're, they're not great. I mean, it, 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 they, yeah, they're fine for the time. Sure, I was impressed with how well she faked playing piano because she was oh, not was playing she? nor singing. I'm glad no, you but, brought that uh, up. I was going to ask you that. Not singing. Okay, she definitely was not singing uh, no. or playing, but but she was at least like close in terms of like rhythm. And here's how your fingers look when they push a piano key. As opposed to some people that are like, I think I've watched this before, and it looks nothing like what it's supposed to. <laughs> now she did a good job. Good, good. Uh, I think I've got the names of the song. It's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Uh, right. That's what Christmas means to me. Uh, let's see, you're everywhere. That was, I think, one of the better I ones. The, I don't remember the "You're Everywhere." I remember the other oh. two. That's dedicated to Aloysius. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's in every room all the time. Uh, uh, oh, you're everywhere was the song that Trudy sang at the music store. Oh, okay. Her, yeah. her little audition. Mm-hmm. When she did oh, that, I, I thought, oh, this is one of the three, and you just get like a tiny bit of it. Yeah. I looked up because uh, she got hired uh, on the spot uh, for $30 a week, mm-hmm. and $30 in 1947 would be about $300 today. So, well, not that's a bad pretty gig. good. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, and they were talking about apartment rents being like 40 bucks a month. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Could I have that? <laughs> oh, yeah. When the O'Connors were talking about their first apartment that was 12 bucks a month. I was like, excuse me? That's like two candy bars at a vending machine. It's like a Netflix. That's what, if you went and saw yes. this in a theater now, that would be what the popcorn would cost. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. But no, Take an inflation's apartment's not worth real. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about inflation. No, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we solved income inequality. This movie's so old-fashioned. Yeah. Yeah. We solved the housing problem. We solved the income problem. Everything. It's perfect. We kind of did. We just built a lot of prisons and threw people in them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Right. Thanks for that touching send off. (laughs) I do want to point out a quote that Aloysius said near the end. He said, I would like to think that you all are my friends, for to be without friends is a serious form of poverty. And that's right. I did like that line a whole lot. I actually got a little teary-eyed. Yeah, it's lovely. It's just like in It's a Wonderful Life, no man is a failure who has friends. Uh, You know, I did want to... Cheryl, when you said this is like a Scrooge story, right? It's yeah. I I had not thought of it like that, so that really, you know, has got me thinking about if they went full out and made this a Scrooge story, mm-hmm. right? It would have to be like what the daughter is the ghost of Christmas past, right? Aloysius is mm-hmm. like the present, and then who's like the future? Yeah. Who's the ghost of Christmas future for for Mister O'Connor? Uh. Well, his his partner at the firm that they throw tomatoes at. Oh, maybe that's like what you can become, right? So yes, they right, think that he's Mr. Right. O'Connor, so they throw the the food at him, and he he sees that happen, and he goes, "Oh, that's what they think of me. That's what I could become." Yes, and he joins in because he realizes he doesn't want to become that, right? Yeah, yeah. But then he does, and he doesn't. Like, <laughs> that, after that is when he yeah, walks. then he just straight up does, and his yeah. and his like <laughs> yeah. wife, ex wife, wife is like, uh, "You haven't changed anything. Uh, I'm going to leave now." <laughs> and he's like, "All right, I guess I'll be nice." It's like, what is going on? He tries to send Jim to Bolivia. <laughs> It's yeah. a very nice offer. No wives. To never see his yeah, daughter again. Yeah. What was he going to do in Bolivia? <laughs> Something. It was the construction company. Oh, right. Lots of construction in Bolivia in the 40s. I guess. <laughs> it's, a, it's a well-known fact. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't see myself watching this again. <laughs> yeah, right. I liked it, it well enough, and uh, that's good enough for me. Like, like if, uh, like uh, Cheryl said, if somebody was going to put on a Hallmark movie, I would snatch the remote out of their hands and put this on instead. I'll go. give it that much. Yeah, I think if if it, you know, if I was flipping through the channels and it was TCM and nothing like "It's a Wonderful Life" or Scrooge was on, I'd watch this. <laughs> See, I would recommend this as someone who's seen all of the very well-known classic okay. Christmas movies yeah. and asked for something that maybe they didn't know about, hadn't seen, or just wanted a recommendation of sort of an alternative type Christmas movie, uh, but they didn't want to go to like what I consider alternative Christmas <laughs> movies. I would throw this one out there as a possibility. Yeah. 
Yeah, something different. Yeah. It's got With caveats that it is way too long. It's long, yeah. but it's a feel-good story. So that's a sure. people always like that. It kind of is. I mean, you know, like <laughs> in, in the end, the rich man won. <laughs> well, that's what Joe was. Joe was implying that his choice of a horror movie would be, or of a Christmas movie would be a horror movie. I think. <laughs> yeah, I would be like, right. let's go Silent Night, Deadly Night, one or two. <laughs> Christmas, Christmas. Any one of the Black Christmases, but preferably the first one. Really, Joe, you're gonna you're gonna say the newest one is okay. Depends on the audience. They're still making them. I would have Alex watch that one. What? Yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's PG it thirteen, own... and it's not it's not a, a really a slasher movie. No. But yeah, you know, I, I, I'm more, give me Die Hard, give me Bad Santa, give me the Christmas movie that It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia did. <laughs> I'll take all of that uh, before, in, in Nightmare, you know, give me Nightmare Before Christmas and Gremlins, like oh, the PG yeah. rated stuff and Krampus. Let's mm-hmm. go PG-13. Deadpool, we just watched the other night. It, yes, once upon a Deadpool. <laughs> I'm, I'm more in the uh, the Home Alone and Muppets Christmas Carol camp. Yeah, yes, I haven't seen yeah. Muppets Christmas Carol yet this year, and I'm a little bummed about that. Uh, yeah, I watched the Mickey Mouse Christmas one the other day, day at our museum. Yeah, I need to see this. Oh wait, wait, wait the the Mickey wait wait you just unlocked a memory the Mickey Mouse <laughs> <laughs> Christmas thing where it's like the three different stories and they all have different Disney characters. Is that no? I think that's a different one. Oh man! Yeah, Th- this one truly is right like a twenty-eight minute version of Christmas Carol, but with Muppets. Okay, Muppets. Or- I'm sorry, with um, with Mickey. I think I think I'm thinking of. Hold on. You might be thinking of Twice Upon a Christmas or something. I know there's. I'm thinking of Mickey's Once, Once Upon a Christmas, 1999. There you go. The excellent classic. <laughs> See, I should have known when you said like a flashback to you being a kid. It definitely wasn't the one that I saw in 1983 no. as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because this one is. Hold on. Because there's the Scrooge McDuck one that they tell with Donald, and then there's the Goofy and Max one. And then they do Gift of the Magi with Mickey and Minnie, hmm. I think. It's not bad. Go go find it at your I think Gift of the Magi Boston. would be more entertaining with Chip and Dale. <laughs> that would be funny. They both, they both got each other a, a nut, but then they took each okay. other's nut, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I have seen the one that you're talking about, Joe. Yes, that's the original one, the Charles Dickens uh, Mickey Christmas Carol. I love how we're just talking about other movies it's probably my third favorite version of that like scrooge is great and uh the muppets is i think my favorite Ah, i i think it's good we are getting all of this out because most of these movies we can't cover because either all of us have seen it or yes (laughs) yes it's yeah it's one of those right it's like which which christmas movie that everyone's already seen should we tell people to see or not see <laughs> it's like guys, it doesn't matter <laughs> there's this movie called die hard that takes place over christmas eve <laughs> but is that joe is that really a christmas movie <laughs> i do not think it is because there is no santa <laughs> i do <laughs> because there's a christmas a song on the soundtrack i have a lot of opinions <laughs> 
if if anybody's looking for a, a new Christmas movie, we actually just watched uh, on HBO Max Eight Bit Christmas, and it was entirely delightful. I was expecting oh, nothing, <laughs> and and anybody that has any sort of nostalgia for uh, Nintendo and or the eighties uh, will definitely love it. Hmm. I saw it listed there, so now I might. Uh, I have to check that out. In all the spare time I have, I'm sure yeah. I'll watch. <laughs> My name is Alisa, and I can be found on Twitter at this Alisa. I'm Andrew Lindy, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Podcaster Andrew. And you can also find me on other podcasts such as Nothing New, a remake podcast, which you can find at benvnetwork.com slash nothing new. And coming soon to your listening ears, I believe January it will be out, but there might be a little promo episode that you can subscribe to very soon. A brand new production from the makers of the Super Mario Brothers Minute. It is the 10 in 10 in 10. And if you don't know what any of that means, just go look it up on your podcast app and subscribe when you see it, because it's going to be a wild ride. Oh, I can hardly wait. (laughs) What did you get yourself into now? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to check that out. (laughs) My name is Bethany Brinton. I'm a musician and composer. You can find me on all of the social things at Bethany Brinton, and we are It's On My List Pod, and you can find us everywhere at It's On My List Pod. You could send us an email at It's On My List Pod at gmail.com, and thank you guys for listening to us this past year. I am Cheryl Jones. You can find me across social media at Speedway CJ. Listen to five years of movies made me uh, everywhere you listen to podcasts, and come visit me at the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures. And I'm Joe Myers. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Joe Myers. I also am a co-host of a horror podcast called The Podcast Macabre. You can find all of our social media presence at podcastmacabre.com. And actually, our latest episode, uh, episode 281, was all about Christmas horror movies. So if you are looking for that alternative Christmas film for your family fun time, that's where you can go to find some suggestions. And uh, keep an eye out. Uh, I've got my first feature film that I've written and directed coming out uh, next year. It is a horror remake of It Happened on Fifth Avenue called Eviscerated on Fifth Avenue. I am I am upset at how excited I was about to be for you, I Joe. <laughs> how did I not know about this? You are you you took my joy and you smashed it and I I'm so sorry. You need uh, I think ambition and drive and talent uh, to uh, write and direct in Hollywood. And I don't think I have any of those. <laughs> Maybe a, a glint okay. of talent. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy I fooled y'all and, and just made a dumb joke about doing a horror remake of It Happened on Fifth Avenue. <laughs>